0: if you will to James chapter 1 James chapter 1 as Mark already mentioned boys and girls you may go to children's church we have uh, really children's church and junior church uh, fourth through kindergarten in children's church and then first through fourth we are beginning this week uh, if you they'll all just kind of go to the back and then we'll just kind of draw straws and see where they go. Uh, Send some here, some there. Now, if you're wondering where to pick up your kids, first through fourth grade will be in the back. And the classroom's right in the back. Uh, children's Church, fourth through kindergarten, will be over in the children's wing. You should have received an outline in your bulletin. And if you did not, if you'll stick your hand up in the air and raise it real high, one of our ushers will get you one of those here momentarily. This morning, we are beginning a new series on the life of Joseph. Now, some of you may say, Pastor, you just told us to turn to the book of James. (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, Pastor, it isn't Joseph in the Old Testament. Yes, that's the Joseph we're going to be looking at. Uh, The Joseph back in Genesis, starting in Genesis chapter 37. uh, uh, We're going to be the son of Jacob. We're going to be looking at his life. Uh, But this morning, we're going to be looking in the book of James because I want to kind of give an overview Sermon this morning on uh, kind of the topic that we're going to be talking about. Uh, What I've entitled this series is Trusting God in Trying Times. You know, we can, uh, we all go through stuff, don't we? We all go through stuff. Um, and, And I think one of the goals in life, I don't know if this is, tell me if this is your goal in life. A lot of times our goal in life is just to get to a point where we don't have any more problems in our life, right? <laughs> Ever been there? You kind of feel that way, right? We want to get to a point where, where, where we feel like where there's no problems in our life, and, and, and we're through all of that. We long for the day when the, our problems are gone, and there's, we just sang about it, and that peace, calm, quiet we can have, right? Uh, well, if that's you, I just have one question. How's that working for you? <laughs> How's that working for? Why are you laughing? You're laughing because you've learned like I have. That's not realistic, is it? It's not realistic and it's not real life. Uh, I don't know if you've come to the same conclusion that I have. And that is that that problem-free existence isn't possible. It's not possible. Let's just amen, right? You say, well, 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 pastor, that's, that, that's kind of a Debbie Downer. Well, it, it may be, but it's reality. You know, someone once said, when we finally grow up, we, when we finally grow up, do we ever grow up, really? I don't know, you know. Men are really just, my wife says, all men are just 12-year-old boys in a grown body. And uh, some of you ladies are shaking your head. Yes, that's exactly right. But someone once said, when we finally grow up, we realize that life is simply one series of problems after another. You've heard, maybe you've heard it said this way. We're either in the midst of a trial, just coming out of a trial, or what? Fixing to go into a trial, all right? Can I say it that way? Let me translate, getting ready to go into a trial, all right? That's just the reality of life. And some of you think, well, Pastor, thanks for the encouragement. That's so encouraging. Hand out the Prozac, right? Well, you know, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to depress you, friends, but once we realize that fact and once we accept that fact, then we can change our attitude. Amen. We can change our attitude. We can change our outlook from from how can I make my life problem free to how should I respond to the problems that come into my life? I would say that's a that's a more appropriate question. Amen. Because we keep trying to seek for this problem free existence here on Earth and it's not possible. Oh, you may you may get a glimpse of it for, for for just a little bit, and then something else, you know, or or maybe there's not any big problems in your life right now, and I hope not. But those things uh, just happen. So our question becomes: uh, instead, how do I uh, just get through this problem and and and, and make my life problem free? To how can I respond to this problem in a way that honors God? I, um, I I've got I want to kind of do an illustrate this for you this morning, and this is an illustration. I couldn't do a live illustration, a uh, demonstration of this this morning because uh, uh, nobody would. Mike Edwards would not let me bring a, a live grill out here in the sanctuary this morning. Um, he said no tailgating and stuff. After, never mind. Um, but uh, uh, so, I, but 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 I did bring a pot to symbolize. You know, uh, if we were to take this pot. I want you just to imagine with me, we, we had this pot on the stove and we filled it full of water. And if that was the case, boys and girls, you should not be touching the pot. All right, it'd be very hot. Okay, but if we were to take this pot and then I was to take this, which is a what? It's an egg. Okay. And I was to put this egg inside of boiling water and leave it, let it boil for about 20 minutes and then take it out. Hopefully my wife gave me the right egg. What happens to it? It becomes hard-boiled, right? And, and, and so the egg that was all liquid on the inside, when we put it in hot boiling water, becomes hard. However, if I take a carrot, which is hard, and I put it in the same boiling water, what happens to it? It becomes very soft, right? And so what is the difference between what happens to the egg and what happens to the carrot, friends? It's the same adversity, same difficulty that they went through. It is simply, it was a difference in the object, right? Well, the same thing is true of us, friends. You know, two different people can go through the same adversity and respond in different ways. Amen? Uh, how you respond to adversity in life depends on you. Either you let that adversity make you angry, mad frustrated and sometimes even bitter at God okay been there done that right and we're tempted that way aren't we or we let uh, we let uh, God draw us near to him in the midst of the trial and when we let God draw draw us near to him and we draw near to God then we allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to fill our hearts amen And so, uh, two people can go through the same adversity, one gets bitter, one draws closer to the Lord. Uh, As you think about it, uh, friends, uh, Joseph went through some big trials, didn't he? Think about this. Now, I know some of you, maybe some of you say, well, I'm not really sure, Pastor, I don't don't know a whole lot about Joseph. Well, that's good, because we're going to be looking at his life over the next few weeks. But Joseph went through some very big trials in his life. In fact, he started out, his brothers betrayed him and sold him into slavery. Talk about some friends, right? Talk about your family treating you bad. I don't know that you get your family to treat you worse. Uh, so he, he started out with that. And then when he ended up in Potiphar's household, here he was living for the Lord, doing all that was right, being, uh, be, b- even living a righteous life, rejecting the advances of Potiphar's wife. And what happens? Potiphar's wife lies about it and wrongs him and gets him put in jail. But God, I was doing, I was living for you. I did what was right. And then, if that wasn't enough, then when he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker, the butler, instead of telling uh, telling telling them about him, forgot about him, and Joseph ends up just being in jail for a couple of years because of that. Yet, friends, through it all, Joseph demonstrated what a godly, joyful attitude. I think it's a great example. Of how we can maintain a godly, joyful attitude in difficult, trying times. We all go through stuff. I want to change our perspective this morning. I want to change our perspective from just trying to get through this problem to, you know what, let's let the joy and the peace of God fill our hearts. Amen? How do we do that? That's why we look at James chapter 1 this morning. I want to give you three, three helps Three helps to to, to aid you in in, in maintaining a joyful attitude through the trials and tribulations of life. So number one, first of all, friends, first of all, we maintain a godly, joyful attitude by understanding that trials are an opportunity for spiritual growth. Trials are an opportunity for spiritual growth. Look at James chapter 1 with me, if you will. James chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 2. James writes, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I want you to just think about this for just a minute. Here, James is writing to, to, to really a mostly Jewish audience. He's writing to... Jews, he says in verse 1, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Jews that have been scattered by the dispersion. They're scattered all throughout the Roman Empire and so forth. uh, Many of them by persecution. And here he says, guys, be happy when stuff goes bad in your life. What? What is he saying here? Surely James has lost his mind. Guys, count it all joy. When that person in your family gets sick. Be happy. When, when when, you're about to go bankrupt. Why is he saying this? Why is he? How can he say this? Well friends he's saying this. Because he's giving a command. The the verb there count. Some of your translations may have it considered. It's actually an imperative. So So James is actually giving a command. That we are to have joy when we fall into various trials why how can how can how can this even be possible he's saying this friends because listen let's just admit it that doesn't come naturally amen it doesn't come naturally that's not our natural response joy is not the natural response to trials what is worry panic fear Those are some of the natural responses, right? Oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get through this? Ah, my life's falling apart. What in the world am I going to do? That's our natural response. But instead, James says, have joy. I command you to have joy when you fall into various trials. Now, how in the world can we do that? And how can James say that? Well, let's look at verse 3. How can James expect us to have joy when something bad happens? Verse 3, he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We can have joy when we know that the trial we're going through is a test of our faith, and if we will turn to the Lord in that, then what will come out of that is a a patience. Uh, Some of your versions may have it translated endurance. It's the Greek word hypomone. It is that characteristic of a person who is steadfast in the Lord. Uh, uh, whose faith in the Lord doesn't waver, whose their faith is not diverted by even the greatest trials and suffering, it is someone who is mentally, spiritually, and emotionally strong. Man, Pastor, I wish I wish I was could be like that. Friends, I want you to notice how that comes. It comes from what? What produces that kind of? That kind of strength in us. It's trials. It's troubles. It's difficult times. Now, do you still want that? (laughs) You see, here's what we need to understand that when we're going through stuff, if we'll turn to God, if we'll let Him, as we're going to see here in just a minute, let God do His work in you, then, then God will produce that strong, mature, Solid, steadfast trust in Him that no matter what happens, you wonder. You know, I know, I know. Some of you are more in tune to this. There's great persecution going on all throughout the world today of Christians, and um, and and there's a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff that Christians are having to having to, to go through and stuff, and a lot worse stuff in other parts of the world, even facing the giving uh, the, 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 their their own death. With some, in some countries and so forth, but it 's amazing to see the strength through which many of these believers uh, are facing this right and how, how is that friends it 's because God has worked in their lives to help them understand that listen, I, we in America here are spoiled. We look at Christianity in the totally wrong way. Okay? And we are not strong in our faith. And, and one little bitty thing comes and we start to cry, oh, I, mean, I can't believe this is happening to me. And there are Christians in other parts of the world who are dying for their faith. And we're crying about the little things that we go through. Endurance. We can have joy because those trials in our life can produce that endurance look at verse four verse four but let patience it's the same word there as the end of verse three let endurance have its perfect work in other words let God do his work in you stop fighting God amen stop fighting God and let God do that work in you why It says, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, you say, well, man, I'd sure like to be perfect. Boy, wouldn't we all, right? It's not talking about perfect in the sense of a moral perfection. But what it's talking about here, uh, what what it's talking about is, is a maturity. That you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So, Friends, we can endure the things that we have to go through, knowing that God's doing a work in us and that He is maturing us in our lives. Amen. You know, you've heard the old adage, "No pain, no gain." All right, and we think about that in the terms of uh, uh, exercise. You know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna run a marathon and you're gonna have the endurance to run a marathon, you're gonna have to learn to endure some pain. Amen. OK, you're going to have to learn to to, to to push yourself through some pain when you're training. I don't know many people who can just start out and run 26 miles. And, and they, if they haven't been training for that and so forth, you know, you start out and and maybe you're pretty good. Maybe you're like me. You run a quarter mile. Right. <laughs> and you're winded <gasps> oxygen. That's just the first base. We're playing softball. Right, Tom? So uh, actually, if I have to go all the way around the bases, I need a I need a I need an inning off and so forth. But, but we get tired and we have to push ourselves, right? And there's pain and, and we're out of breath and we have to push ourselves. It's the same thing if, 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 if somebody's training for weightlifting, right Terry? You're training for that. Uh, you know, I, I, Terry is, is, is bodybuilding and, and he can probably lift me up over his head and so forth. And the thing is, you can't lift 500 pounds the first time you do it. You've got, to, you've got to train, and you start out, and you, you push yourself, and you have to push yourself uh, to actually, for it to be painful, and it actually hurts. And, and actually, my understanding is that kind of what actually happens when you're lifting weights and you're getting stronger is the muscles are actually breaking down, and then they rebuild themselves stronger. And, and so if you think about that, friends, the same thing happens with our, with our faith. And so that sometimes our faith needs to be pushed to the limits needs to be pushed to the limits. And so that we, 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 our faith, we may even feel like our faith is breaking down. But let, listen, let it drive you to find answers. Okay? Listen, it's okay to have questions. It's okay for other people to question you. It's okay to even question God if, if you come at it from a perspective of faith. I want to trust God. I just don't understand. We're going to get to that here in just a minute. Friends, but listen... We need to let patience have its perfect work. Let endurance, let God do his work in us. Amen? We need to stop fighting him. Remember, he's the potter, we're the clay. Can you imagine if it was possible for clay? Here's what we do. We're the clay, and he's molding us, and he's shaping us. As a potter shapes what he's making, Can you imagine us as clay? What do we do sometimes? We just kind of go limp on God, right? You're not going to make anything, God. Or sometimes we stiffen up, right? God, you're not going to form me into nothing today. I'm mad at this, and you're not going to form me into anything. And all God's asking for us to do is to cooperate with him. Don't stiffen up. Don't resist him. But let him mold you and shape you into who? he wants you to be. Amen. Say, pastor, I understand what you're saying. And man, I really know that deep down. I know that I know that trials God uses those things in our lives to make us stronger. He uses those things to make us grow in our spiritual walk. But pastor, why do I have to go through this? You don't understand what I'm going through. Why does it have to be so painful? Why, Pastor, is it really necessary? Well, friends, if that's, if that's where you're at, let me say this. Um, my heart goes out to you. There are, we all go through different trials and tribulations in our lives, and some of them are very, very difficult and very, very painful. So I cannot stand before you this morning and say, I know why you're going through this. I don't know the specific reason why you're going through this. My heart goes out to you. But if that's how you're feeling, I believe you need to look at number two. Because not only can we maintain a godly, joyful attitude by understanding that trials are an opportunity for spiritual growth. It helps when we know that God's using that to work in our lives to help us to grow in Him. But second, friends, we, second way we maintain a godly, joyful attitude is by asking God for wisdom. By asking God for wisdom. Friends, if you're going through some stuff, you're going through the trials of life right now, here's what God's Word says to you. Look at verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. So, friends, if you lack understanding, if you lack God's perspective on what you're going through, you don't know why the things are happening and why God's allowing you to go through this, and you're just saying, why, 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 why does it have to be this, God? Ask the Lord who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Friends, you know, we're just down here going through life. Amen? We're down here, we're going through life, and many times we can't see the big picture. And and what we're going through oftentimes doesn't make sense. I've used this illustration before, but I'm going to use it again because I think it illustrates pretty well what what we're talking about here. Um, How many of you ever had an ant farm? Anybody ever have an ant farm? Okay. It's okay. You can admit it, all right? When you were a kid, okay, or growing up or stuff, uh, or at least you know what an ant farm is. That's why I kind of put this up here. I'm like, well, well, you know what an ant farm is. You know, uh, so we did this once a few years back as a family and so forth. But if you think about an ant farm, And, and, and you you, you know, you get the ant farm and you put it all together and you pour all the sand down in there. And then you drop the little ants, you know. You have to mail off and get the ants and they send you back. Or you can go out back and you can just kind of find them. We got plenty around our house. I don't know about you. But so you put the ants in the ant farm. And I want you to think about it from the perspective of the ant. And what does that ant see? All that ant sees is the sand in front of him. Or if he turns around, the trail behind him. Or the glass on both sides, right? That's all the ant can see. Uh, He doesn't see the whole picture there. All he sees is the sand in front of him as he's digging. What's behind him? The glass on both sides. Now, I know in an ant farm there's not a whole lot for ants to do. But I just want you to imagine for a minute that uh, if there was an obstacle up ahead, if there was a rock, that ant couldn't see that rock until he ran into it, right? Right? If there was a a rival ant up there, that ant couldn't see the rival ant until they collided. And then, wow, man, then you've got an ant war going on, right? So, But if you think about it, from from outside, here we are looking at this ant farm, and we can see them moving around. We can see this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and we see all the things that are going on there. Friends, we're like the ant. Many times, and and not many times, all all we can see is the sand in front of us, the trail of pain many times we've left behind and the glass on both sides when God sees the whole big picture God sees the trouble that you're about to get into he sees the things that we think will be good for us but really aren't he sees where that path is going to take you he knows where that decision will lead so if God knows all that friends we ought to trust him. Amen? That's why we need to trust him. That's why we need to put our faith in him, friends, because he knows best and he always has our best interests at heart. So what do we need to do if we're going through something, we're going through a difficult time in life and and we don't understand, we're struggling, whatever? Scripture says, ask God for wisdom. Ask him for understanding. Ask him to help you see the bigger picture. Now, Here's something else we need to understand. Friends, gaining wisdom doesn't necessarily mean that God will help us see what he sees. Don't you say that again? Gaining wisdom doesn't necessarily mean that God will help us see what he sees. Here's what I think we want want when we ask God for wisdom. In fact, I've heard somebody say this before. Pastor, it would be so much easier to go through this if I knew what God was up to. If I knew what God was doing through this. I know God uses this in my life. I know God can make me stronger. I know God's going to bring good out of this, Pastor. But I want to know what it is God's doing, and that will help me through it. Friends, let me give you a key. Let me give you something here, and that's simply, you know, we, we try to get a God perspective, but many times that God perspective doesn't come with the exact answers. It doesn't. It doesn't come with the exact answers, friends. Gaining wisdom means coming to the understanding sometimes simply that God's ways are higher than our ways. Simply that, that I know God's in control, and I know that, that He's got me in His hands. I want you to think about this for just a minute. When you think about the life of Joseph, when Joseph was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery, do you think he knew where he was going to end up? No. He didn't have a clue. Do you think he knew that what exactly God was going to do, that God was going to make him second in command over all of Egypt so that he could save his family? Did Joseph know that? I don't believe he did. But what Joseph did know is what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Amen? And so Joseph trusted in the fact that even though he didn't know all the details of what God was doing, he knew God was up to something. And he knew he could trust God with his future. He knew he could trust God with his life. Amen? And that was enough for him. Friends, that leads us right into the third help that I want to give you this morning for maintaining a godly, joyful attitude through what you're going through. Friends, we can do that, third, by trusting in the sovereignty of God. By trusting in the sovereignty of God. Listen, this is the biggest key To a strong faith. You know what it is? The biggest key to a strong faith. Letting God be God. Letting God be God. You say, well, pastor, that sounds pretty simple. It is simple. Why then is it so hard for us to do that? It is simply affirming and acknowledging his control over our lives. You know why it's hard? It's hard because we like to be in control, right? You know, the first step to change is admitting. So if you like to be in control, raise your hand real high today. All right. Now, if you have just lied, raise your hand today, okay? Listen, well, you may say, I don't need to be in control. I don't have to. Then why do we fight God every, every time something happens in our life? We, we want to tell God what we think is best or how we don't like what he's doing. How we want him to orchestrate our lives the way we want and to do what we want. You see, the problem is we're trying to be God over our own lives instead of letting him be God. Let God be God. You know what? It takes a lot of pressure off of you. Amen? Amen? When we just realize and admit, you know what, I am not in control. You say, well, pastor, then that's kind of a laissez-faire attitude, you know, and I believe we need to, you know, we need to take, uh, take initiative. We need to take responsibility. Listen, if anybody, if y'all know me one iota, you know that I do not believe in this deal that, you know, we just sit back and do nothing and we just say, you know, well, okay, if it's going to happen, God's going to do it. You know that's not me. And that's not what I'm saying. Friends, God expects us to follow him. God expects us to be uh, responsible adults. God expects us to take care of the things that we need to take care of, friends. But what he does not want us to do is to worry about it. He does not want us to fret about it. He does not want us to get frustrated about it. Because, friends, a lot of the things that we try to control are out of our control. Amen? They're out of our control. The, you know, most people, when, 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 a lot of, when some people say they're putting their faith in God, you know what they really mean? I want you to examine your own, life, your own self with this. Here's what a lot of people mean when they, say they're, when they say they're putting their faith in God, when they say they're trusting in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Here's what a lot of people mean. They mean, they mean I'm trusting in God to give me everything I need, give me everything I want to protect me and my family and keep me out of trouble. When a lot of people come to Jesus, that's what they are thinking in their mind. I'm just, uh, God's going to, I'm going to come to God, and and, and I'm trusting God. See, that's the key thing. We say, I'm trusting God, but the God's going to give me everything I want, everything I need. He's going to protect me, and he's going to keep me out of trouble. You say, well, pastor, what's the problem with that, right? Here's the problem with that. Friends, the problem with that is this. When you don't get what you want, or something bad happens to you or your family, or life throws you a curveball, then you conclude that God didn't keep up His end of the bargain. And when God didn't keep up His end of the bargain, therefore, you get mad at God, you stop going to church, and you even refuse many times to even want to talk about God. When the real problem is not with God at all. The real problem is we're even trying to come to Him on our own terms. The real problem is, Maybe you never fully understood what it means to put your faith in God. You see, putting our faith in God is not about just having God on our side. A lot of people say that, right? Well, I got the big man on my side now. It's wrong perspective. Putting your faith in God, friends, is not about simply trusting God to fix all your problems. Now, do you need to bring your problems to Him? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not about just trusting God to fix the mess you've made of your life. Let me tell you something. Some of the mess you've made of your life may take the rest of your life uh, to work out. It's not Putting your faith in God is not about what God can do for you, friends. It is about you submitting yourself to God. It is about letting God have complete and utter control over my life to do with as he sees fit. Friends, it is about trusting that God knows best and that he will ultimately do what is best for me no matter what happens in the details of life. Friends, even no matter what I go through. Trusting God is about trusting that whatever happens to me, whether it is good, bad, or indifferent, God will take that and turn it into good. Amen. That's what trusting God means. When we come to the cross, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, you see, we think, well, okay, I get my salvation, I get heaven because Jesus paid the penalty for my sins and I get that, and now I got God working for me and he's going to work out all my problems and I can still do what I want to do. Uh 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 it's about us submitting ourselves to the Lord. That's why it says here in verse 6, it says, but let him ask in faith, with no doubting. So, friends, if you're going through something, you're going through a difficult time, and 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 and, and you're struggling with that and you're questioning God, maybe you're a little mad, you not even want to admit that, maybe you're a little angry at God and so forth, and and you're questioning those things. You know, we talked about it, we need to understand that God's working in your life through those things, but we also said it's okay to ask God, to ask Him for wisdom, ask Him for understanding. God, help me to to understand this, or at least help me to get the right perspective on this, God. Verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. Friends, this is not a name it and claim it. It's not name it and claim it. Well, God God said this, I'm going to name it and I'm going to claim it, and that's just a matter of speaking it. Friends, this is about when we come to God with an unsettled heart, we need to come to Him with an attitude of wanting to trust Him. You see, there are honest questions and there are I, I, what I call kind of dishonest questions. I believe it's okay to question God. I believe it's okay to have questions about God. But I believe we need to come at that not trying to prove God wrong, not trying to prove that God's not who he said he is and, and trying to catch God in a, in a catch-22. But, 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 but I think we need to come to God with an attitude of faith and an attitude of trust and, and, and an attitude that, that God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. God, I don't understand this. And the reality is, God, I don't like that I'm going through this right now. But, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going I'm I'm to put it all in your hands. That's the attitude we need to come to God with. It says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Listen, we've been there, done that, Right? For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Friends, we need to come to God with an attitude of trusting in his sovereignty. That's what it means to say we let him ask in faith. God, I'm trusting that you know best. God, I'm going to trust that you will do best. And that no matter what happens in my life, God, I'm, I'm trusting that you're going to work it all out for your good, For my good and, Lord, for your glory. There's a short poem that I um, came across this week. F.B. Meyer shares this poem in, uh, in his book on the life of Joseph. And I believe this poem very aptly describes the attitude, the perspective we need to come at trials with. I want you to look at this with me. It says, behind our life, the weaver stands and works his wondrous will. We leave it all in his wise hands and trust his perfect skill. Should mystery enshroud his plan? It does a lot of times, doesn't it? We don't have a clue. And our short sight be dim. Friends, even when we can't see, we don't know what's going on. We will not try the whole to scan, but leave each thread to him. We need to learn that He's God and we are not. And we need to learn to just how to trust Him and put it all in His hands. You see, when we, when we face a trial in our life, when we face a difficulty, a trying time in our life, we have one of two choices. We can either let that trial push us away from God or draw us close to God. Did you know that the devil wants to use that trial in your life to drive a wedge between you and God? That's what that's what Satan wants to do. Why do we let him win? You know, Satan wants to use that you begin to question God's goodness, did God really say this? Did God really promise this? Is God really going to be with you? Uh, are you really say all that kind of stuff? And, and and Satan wants to use that to drive a wedge between you and God, and before you know it, whatever the actual circumstance, whether you've, you've kind of gotten away from your, just your relationship with God and spending time with him every day. And you're just kind of going through the motions, or maybe you've even let it at times keep you from coming to church. Listen, here's the one thing I don't understand, and I get it all the time, and if you've been one of these that have come up to me recently and said this, I'm not going to mention your name. But here's the deal. I get this all the time. Somebody comes up to me the next Sunday or on Sunday night, and they say, Pastor, uh, sorry I wasn't at church this morning, but, you know, I just had a really bad day on Saturday, and I just needed some time to myself or to sleep in. That's the exact wrong thing you can do. That's the exact thing the devil wants you to do. That's allowing the devil to put a wedge between you and God. You say, oh, but pastor, I'm back the next week, and I'm happy, and all this other stuff, whatever. Friends, when we're going through stuff, we need to draw near to God. You see, the devil wants to use it to drive a wedge between you and God, but God is standing there with his arms wide open. Think prodigal son, okay, and the father, and God simply wants you to come to him. Later in the book of James, James says, draw near to God, and he will what? draw near to you and he will wrap his arms around you and he will hold you and carry you through whatever difficulty you're going through and i know there's some difficult stuff amen the decision becomes this which are you going to allow to happen you're going to allow the devil to let it are you going to be the egg or the carrot you're going to become hard and hardened and let our heart harden? Or are you going to let that trial do the work that God intends in your life and God wants to do and let it soften your heart and let it bring you to Him and force you to your knees to say, Lord, I've come to the realization that I'm not God, but You are. And Lord, I can't control this situation. I'm not in control. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I'm submitting fully over to you. Friends, where are you at this morning? I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. (coughs) Friends, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty there is in your life, Will you draw close to God? Will you allow Him to wrap His loving arms around you? Or will you continue to let it be a a stumbling block, a wedge between you and God? You say, well, Pastor, it's just not that easy. Friends, it starts by just, yes, acknowledging God. You're in control. I'm not in control. And I'm going to stop being mad that I'm not in control. But Lord, today, I just want to trust you with this situation that I'm going through. Lord, I want to trust you with this problem in my life. And Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you're not going through anything right now, but you know man, you know that's, when, that's your tendency, that when those difficult things arise, you're a control freak. And you just do everything you can to fight God and not let impatience to have its perfect work in you. So right now, would you come and would you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to your lordship, control, your governing of my life. Lord, help me to discern the things that I do need to do, the responsibilities that I do have, Lord, to walk as you've called me to walk, to take care of the things that I need to take care of. But Lord, help me not to worry about the rest. Help me to be able to just leave it in your hands, knowing, Lord, that you have my best interests at heart. Lord, today we come and just surrender it to you.